title of this message is Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity to worship this morning with people we love. We thank You for the opportunity of reading Your Word. Your Word touches us to the very core. We thank you for the privilege of prayer, and we know, Lord, that it is something you've given us that is essential to the living out of the Christian life, and Lord, we thank you for it. And we pray you'd help us to use this tool, this gift, uh, more effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Haddon Robinson is the professor of preaching at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston, Massachusetts. He is a great and godly man. He has written a textbook on preaching that is, is currently being used by over 90 seminaries and Bible colleges across the world. So he is a well-sought-out author and uh, uh, preacher. He has some friends who like to joke, him, joke with him uh, because he is a preacher. He has one friend who comes up to him and he says, uh, he says, I hope... Uh, He'll call him in the middle of the day and he said, I hope I didn't get you up. I know this is not Sunday. He has another friend who'll come by and he'll say, he'll say, hey, uh, you ministers have it made. On a good day, on a good day, you get up and you do a little studying, make a few calls. On a bad day, you can just kind of say your prayers and turn over and go back to sleep. Well, Dr. Robinson uh, is a little sensitive to comments like that. And so to the last guy, he came up to him and he says, well, he says, your comments to me, uh, remind me of two very important points. He said, number one, you don't know a whole lot about ministry. And number two, you know less about prayer. 
prayer. We're talking about basics, some of the basic aspects of living the Christian life. We've talked about sin and salvation. Sin is the reason that it was necessary for Jesus to go to the cross and to be crucified and then resurrected. So sin and salvation we talked about. We talked about the Bible, the importance of it, and how to study it. It's impossible to live the Christian life without uh, the Bible in your life. We talked about witnessing and the importance of sharing Christ with your friends and your loved ones and your family and your neighbors. And we talked about uh, the, the place of beliefs. Doug Banks talked about this on a Sunday night. The, the place of beliefs in uh, ground-level Christianity. Today I want to talk about a prayer. This is the last of this series. Certainly there are many other basic aspects of Christianity, but certainly uh, there are few that can rank in importance as the place of prayer in our lives. I struggle with prayer. I pray every day or try to pray every day, but for me, prayer is a battle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to get to prayer because it seems like every time that I, uh, throughout the day, that I schedule time to pray, it's always a busy time. Have you noticed that? Uh, I don't know if I make it busy. Satan makes it busy. God tests me by, by making it busy. But, but the time that I set aside for prayer is a very busy time, and my temptation is to rush through it, kind of like the guy in the uh, video uh, this morning. Uh, Jesus found prayer to be a struggle too, but it wasn't, his struggle was not getting to prayer. His struggle was prayer itself. You remember on the, early on the morning before Jesus is crucified on Good Friday? You remember that? He's up in, uh, across the Kidron River Valley from Jerusalem, up on a hill, the Mount of Olives, and he's in a little garden called Gethsemane. And he is praying. You remember that? And he prays and he prays and, and, and he prays until the sweat starts dropping from his face as if it were great drops of blood. Prayer for him was a struggle, a struggle. The night before he chose his 12 disciples, the Bible says, Luke actually says that Jesus prayed all night long. It was a struggle for him. I often wonder uh, what, what would have been the struggle in that all-night prayer before he chose his disciples? Do you think maybe he struggled with Judas, maybe? We'll never know, of course, but he knew. He knew what Judas would be. He knew what Judas would do. He knew about Peter's betrayals and denials. He knew that all of the disciples, with the exception of John, would flee and not even attend the funeral on the day of his funeral. You think maybe he was struggling with that? Uh, for Jesus, prayer was a struggle. And, and maybe that's fitting because prayer is so essential for us. It's like breathing. It's like the air we breathe, prayer is. It, it's, a, it's something that we need in order to not just live the Christian life, but we enter the Christian life through prayer, if you think about it. I, I was thinking, uh, I thought a lot recently during preaching uh, revival meetings, camp meetings, I think about the night that I was saved in 1968. I came forward and I just, I, I, God saved me while I was praying. It was a very simple prayer. Lord, save me. I'll do anything for you if you'll just save me. Of course, there was nothing I could do uh, that would result in him saving me. He, we're saved as a gift from God, a free gift. But we're saved as we pray. We live the Christian life as we pray 
And here Jesus is talking to us about prayer. I think it's very interesting, Luke chapter 11. The disciples come up to him. They had seen John the baptizer. John the baptizer also had some disciples. In fact, some of the disciples of John the baptizer later became disciples of Jesus. And evidently, part of John the baptizer's discipleship program included teaching them to pray. Teaching them to pray. And so the disciples, one of the disciples comes up to Jesus, probably a spokesperson for the rest of the disciples. And he says, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. That's an amazing request to make. They had heard Jesus already preach. And Jesus, uh, without debate, was the was the and is the greatest preacher who ever, ever lived preached the greatest sermons ever preached, they could have come to him and said, Lord, teach us to preach like you. But that wasn't what they said. They had seen him uh, perform miracles, heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, take people who had been paralyzed all their lives and heal them in such a way that they got up and picked up their beds and walked away. They could have said, Lord, teach us to do stuff like that. That's what I would have asked. Lord, teach, teach me to raise the dead. Yeah. But that's not what they asked. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw something, some power, some effect in the prayer life of Jesus, and they wanted a part of it. Lord, teach us to pray. And so immediately he says, okay, when you pray, here's here's what to say. Now, he's not giving us this, uh, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really a model for prayer. It's really a model for prayer. And, and it, it is, it's, it's meant to be a, a conversational prayer. This is really a pattern that Jesus gave us. And I want to just go down through this prayer, this passage, and let's look at this pattern that Jesus gave us for prayer. And he'll also give us uh, another word about being persistent in prayer. But let's look, first of all, at the pattern Jesus gives us. He says, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven. He starts out with a person. He starts out with a person. Jesus gives us this pattern for prayer, and it begins with a person. Um, (laughs) You know, I have to confess, and this is a a bit embarrassing to me, to confess this to you as your pastor, but uh, there are a lot of times when I pretty much skip over this person and shoot right to my own personal request. The person that Jesus tells us to start prayer with is the person of the heavenly Father. Start with the Father, our Father. And notice it's not just my Father. In America, we're big on individualism, individual civil rights, and and, and that's great. But Jesus says, our Father. It's a community thing. Our Father. In the the ancient Near East, uh, people, when they had children, they would give them names that meant something. They, they they, They were descriptive of some character quality that they wanted their child to have. And so here, when we speak of our Father... And we're talking about a good father, a loving father, a wise father, a holy father, a a father who has our best interest in mind, who has a plan for our lives. This is the father we're talking about. We begin with a person, our father who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. We start with that person. You see, effective prayer begins not with me or you, but with him. 
Effective prayer begins with him. Start out with the person, God, the Father. And then Jesus moved from from a person to uh, who is God to a program, God's program. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is a tough part of the prayer, I think. This is really a tough part of the prayer because usually when we come to God in prayer, we have, you know, we, we, we may start out with our Heavenly Father or, oh Lord, you know, we'll start out with, with God's name, but we'll quickly shoot to the personal request. You find yourself sometimes praying that way? That's, that's sometimes the way I find myself praying. I'll start out with Heavenly Father, but not for very long. I don't camp out there very long. In fact, I don't even set up the tent. I just leave the tent in the trunk because I don't plan to stay there long and shoot straight to my personal request. And so I have these requests to go through. But God wants us first to focus on his person, our father, and his program, his kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God is the realm of God's rule in this world, not just in our world, but in our nation. And not just in our nation, but in our families. And not just in our families, but in you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What good would it be for me to pray if the attitude of my heart and the words of my mouth do not convey that I want God's will to be done in me? God's program. For your life, you say, well, God doesn't know me. Sure, he knows you. He has, he has a blueprint for your life. You. Oh, God doesn't know me. Yes, God knows you. And he has this blueprint for you personally. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what your background, no matter what your age, whether you're male, female, young, old, rich, poor, doesn't matter. God has a plan for your life he has a program for your life, and the very best life that you and I can have is a life that is geared and designed and following his program. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. A person, a program. Third, Jesus then goes on to provision. Give us day by day our daily bread. Have you ever thought about that phrase? You ever thought about that phrase? I mean, at home... Uh, I have a freezer in my garage, and that freezer's full of stuff. Uh, my dad is an ardent gardener. He always gardens every year, and he always has more, produces more in his garden than anybody anywhere around us will ever be able to eat. And so in my freezer, I have frozen strawberries, and I have, uh, I have uh, green beans and, and, and squash and all kinds of stuff that are in the freezer. And so I'm looking at this prayer and I'm at this pattern for prayer, and I see this, this day-by-day provision. I'm thinking, well, what in the world is that? I kind of like the year-by-year deal. It's kind of hard for us to fathom what Jesus is saying here. In fact, the Greek word that is, that, that is translated day by day, daily, is a word that you won't find anywhere in classical Greek literature. And because it is so rare, the translators of the Bible, down through the history of the Christian church, have had trouble translating it. They've, they've made a guess at it, and I think they've guessed right, day by day, our daily Bread, But a few years ago, there was an, an ancient papyrus, a manuscript that was found, not of a Bible book, but it was, a, it was a, a papyrus manuscript of a lady's grocery list in ancient Palestine. 
She had been to the market and, and with a quill and her, her scroll, a, a, a scratch piece of paper from the scroll, she had written out a grocery list. And on the perishable items on that grocery list, there was this single Greek word off to the side, espacio, which means enough for the day. Enough for the day. We don't realize this in America, but the majority of people on the face of the earth know what this request is about. They know what it is to pray for this day's food. There are children, there are men, there are women, especially women and children all over this this planet as we speak who are desperate for just this day's, just this day's bread and food. And so Jesus, he's asking for our for God's provision day by day. I'll tell you if you're in the middle of a crisis, if you're in the middle of a crisis, you know what day by day means. Because you're living for sometimes day by day, sometimes moment by moment, you're living and trying to heal and trying to overcome the crisis in your life. So we're looking at this pattern for prayer that Jesus gives us. It starts with the person of God the Father. Then it proceeds to his program, his will be done, his kingdom come. Then it proceeds to provision. God, give us day by day the provision that you see fit that we need. And from there, it moves on to a fourth part of the pattern, and that is pardon. And forgive us our sins or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive those who have sinned against us. Are you like me on this, on this particular line? You, you kind of wish that he'd put the first part in there and left out the last part. Are you kind of like that? Lord, forgive us our sins, period. That's what I want, period. But he had to tack in this last part. It's everywhere. It's, a, it's in the two places that you see the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins, no period, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Not too good. But think about this. Think about the uh, hilarity of this, of this prayer. Lord, I know I've done some things that are wrong. I know I've done some things that are rotten. I, I want to ask you to forgive me of those. And I know that you're a gracious, merciful God. Your word tells me you're gracious and merciful. And I know that you're going to forgive me if I ask you to. And I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess these things I've done. And even though you are holy and righteous and I'm rotten, you're you're going to come down to my level and forgive me. And I thank you for that. But now, old Ned over here, you remember what he did to me 35 years ago. I mean, you remember what he did. And I know that you're also, you're an understanding God. And you understand how bad Ned is. And what a bad thing Ned did. So I I know that you're going to forgive me. And even though you said in your word, forgive us our sins as we forgive our... I know that you're going to kind of leave off. You're going to kind of put the first part of that in bold and the last part of it kind of in invisible ink, aren't you, Lord? Because you know how Ned is, right? You see, God has anchored his forgiveness of us with our forgiveness of others. He has anchored them inseparably together and you and I will not divorce the two. And that's hard. That's tough. But it's just fact. 
And no matter how much I might try to water that down, uh, uh, erase the last half of that sentence, pardon is for me, but it's also from me to others inseparably. We're talking about a pattern for prayer. Person, program, God's person, God's program, God's provision for us day by day, God's pardon of us as we pardon others. And then he goes on to include in this five-part pattern, protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's interesting. I think if Jesus had not put this in here, we wouldn't be praying it. I don't think we would really think about asking God to lead us not into temptation or to deliver us from evil. Because most of the time we kind of like temptation. We like it. It's got kind of a sugary, sweet taste to it. And when we get just a little bit, of, a little spoonful of it, we want the whole bowl of it. It's kind of like banana pudding. I have never been able just to eat a little bitty drop of it. Jimmy, you want just a little drop of this banana pudding? Well, I don't know. Yeah. They give me just a little drop. Woof. That's the way temptation is. And I think, I think were it not for the fact that, that, that Jesus has included this in, this in this prayer, this pattern, we might not even think about it. But I'll tell you what he's praying there. And the reason he included it is he knows what we sometimes know and sometimes don't know. And that is this, that the devil is out to destroy your life. He's out to destroy your witness. He's out to keep you from being saved if you're lost. He's out to keep you from being a stronger Christian if you're saved. He's he's out to keep you from getting connected in a church if you're not already connected. And if you are connected, he's going to do everything he can to make sure that somebody does something to offend you. And they will. We're human beings. They will. Satan is out to destroy your life. And so Jesus prays this this prayer of protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And don't play around with temptation. Saw this lady one time who had a t-shirt. Who had a t-shirt. And here's what it said. You've seen it before. Lead me not into temptation. I can find the way myself. We all can. And for that reason, Jesus included this this element in the pattern for prayer. So there's a five-part pattern. The person, start with God's person and and proceed with his program, his kingdom come, his will be done in your life. Then uh, look at God's provision. Ask for God's provision. He, He is there to provide for you and his pardon. You and I all need to be pardoned for our sinfulness. And then... Uh, ask for his protection. So he gives us a pattern for prayer. And then uh, second, he, he urges us to be persistent in prayer. Notice that Jesus urged persistent. This weird story, this weird illustration after the model prayer here. He says, imagine what would happen to you if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now imagine that. Uh, You've been awakened in the middle of the night. Some friends that you didn't expect show up and and they're coming to spend the night because they're on their way to some other trip. But they've decided to stop off and see you. But they got to your home in the middle of the night, woke you up and they're hungry. They're hungry. And so, you know, we could say, you know, hey, it's late and you're going to have to wait. You can scrounge around the cabin if you want. That's probably what I would say. Or I'd probably say you can start tomorrow. No, I probably wouldn't say that. 
But he says, what, what if you had somebody come in there hungry? And so you get up and you go to your neighbor. I don't have any bread. Can I borrow some bread? You get the neighbor up. You're already up, so you're going to get him or her up. And the neighbor says, no, go on. My kids are in the bed. I'm in the bed. This is not a good time for you to come borrow a cup of sugar or a few pieces of bread. Jesus said that might be the way it happens, but he said, even though he might not give you the loaf of bread because you're his friend, if you persist, it almost has a nagging quality. Is God asking us to be nagging of him? Kind of, actually, I think he is giving us permission to nag him because he's okay with it. He's okay with our persistence. He's okay when we come to him continuously. And so he says, so when you pray, Pray this, ask. He says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. And all of those verbs are continuous action verbs. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That's the, those are the verb tenses. Present participle, which means don't stop. Keep it up. Have a stick to about you. Be persistent in your prayer. You may not always get an answer. Sometimes you'll get an answer if you'll persist. And if you don't persist, you may not get the answer you're looking for. So there's a pattern for prayer, and there's persistence in prayer. Prayer is an essential part of the Christian life. What is prayer? People say, well, prayer is talking with God. It is talking with God. It's really much more than that, though. Prayer is being with God. Prayer is being with God, and you say, well, well, God is everywhere, so we're always with God. Prayer is being with God at times when you are constantly aware of his presence. You may not say anything, or you may say something. Or you may go through the whole time and you're talking, or you may go through the whole time and nobody's talking. Or you may go through the whole time and you're just reading scripture and allowing God to speak to you. But prayer is spending time with God, and it is conversational. It's conversational. Uh, I, I think that... We miss what Jesus is saying here. We, we think it sounds so formal and so stiff when Jesus meant it to be a conversation. I think Eugene Peterson really tackles it better in the message. Here's the, way, here's the way he translates it or paraphrases it. Listen to this. Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and keep us safe from the devil. It's meant to be a conversation. Prayer is a conversation, and it's a natural conversation. You don't have to take on a God voice to do it. Whenever I was, whenever I was growing up, uh, it was never really taught, but, but it was always illustrated that you had to have a God voice to, to, uh, to pray to God. Oh, God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you again. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. You don't have to do that. Prayer is a natural conversation with you and God. And sometimes you don't even have to say anything at all for it to be prayer. For it to be prayer. You ever heard the song? I once was lost in sin. And Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, and he wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend 
who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I grew up in Baptist churches where they'd have somebody come up and lead a song and somebody else would lead a song. And I remember the first time I was about eight years old, not long after I had gotten saved, they asked me to come up and lead a song. It scared the life out of me. I looked up at my daddy. I said, what in the world am I going to sing? He said, how about 92 in the church hymnal? Just a little talk with Jesus. I got up there, sang just a little talk with Jesus. It was my favorite song, not because of what it said, but because of the bass parts in it. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turning, then you'll know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Well, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are our Heavenly Father. God, you've given us this wonderful tool as a way to talk with you, to be with you, converse with you, experience you. Lord, it was when I was praying one night as a little boy that you came into my life and saved me. It was... As I was praying that you came into my life and you called me. and It was when I was trying to pray and couldn't come up with words that you restored me. And Lord, prayer, it's so important. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. 